0: Welcome to The Q-Word, a podcast about the tips, trends, and taboos of emergency nursing, where we pull the hospital curtain back on issues that emergency nurses and their patients often think about, but seldom talk about. You found The Q-Word Podcast.
1: Lisa, not Nisa. Hi, Nisa, not Lisa. What are we talking about today? Well, since it's episode two, we're going to be talking about going number two, everything you never wanted to know about poop.
0: Well, it's funny. I uh, knew this girl in college. Um, Her name rhymes with uh, Lisa, and we went together. Let's don't go there. Uh, Well, no, we have to go there, because you're the one who just introduced the topic. And this girl, um, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, she... Uh, never once uh, did number two the whole time that we lived together in college. She said that she never pooped. Does that sound oh. familiar to you, Nisa, who uh, runs with
1: Lisa? Yeah, that's vaguely familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I wonder if the Nisa and Lisa back in the day, uh, if there was anything in our four-year liberal arts women's college education that would have prepared us decades later to be talking for 30 minutes to the public about this very... Thing. Uh Anything?
0: No, no, no. Nope. I mean, I poop regularly. I'm a proud pooper. I'll poop anywhere, anytime, all the time. Um, <laughs> I have no problem talking about it and I have no problem regaling random people walking by with stories of my poop. You, however, were very, very against that the entire time yes. we were in college. Yes.
1: Well, I've turned a corner and you're going to love this episode if that's how you feel about it.
0: Oh, great. Well, let's uh, let's uh, drop right into it.
1: So I wanted to start with a little bit of story time from nursing school. My first year in nursing school, we were doing clinicals where uh, nurses just assigned one patient to kind of start getting into the swing of things. And one of my classmates had an elderly gentleman who had an episode of fecal incontinence. Mm -hmm. And that is medical speak for he pooped in the bed.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So when you're cleaning up a patient, it's at least a two-person job, uh, sometimes depending on the size of the patient, more than that. So she recruited me and asked me if I would help her clean up this patient. And because I was Nurse Nancy, I said, yes, I will.
0: And of course, you'd already had several children by then. So you've changed a lot of diapers and you were used to little baby poops, those cute little poops that babies have. They are cute, right? I don't have any kids. So I assume that baby poops come out like little rabbit turds. It's adorable. Mm.
1: Um, so we went into the room and she asked me, assigned me the job of rolling the gentleman on his side and holding him there so that she could get to the business end, wipe him down, change his gown, change the sheets out. So that was my, my role. When he was laying in the bed that way, his body was sort of blocking the odor of the poop. And as soon as you rolled him up on his side, that odor hit me, slapped me right across the face. Mm. And... I knew it wasn't going to go well. And so I leaned down to him and said, sir, I need you to hold onto this bed rail really tight. I'll be right back. And I stepped away from the bed into his bathroom and I vomited up my cafeteria hospital lunch of lasagna. Oh, lasagna. Uh, Ideal. Yes. Perfect. I won't forget that it was lasagna. So I came out and resumed holding him. Meanwhile, my classmate is saying, you know what? We're good here. I think I got this. I was like, no, no, no. I'm committed now. The lasagna has gone. We're good. Let's do this thing. But I was devastated. I was embarrassed. I was mortified. So I set up a a, um, meeting with my clinical instructor, and I asked her if I needed to change my major. Mm. She uh, told me a, a great uh, piece of advice, and that is that nursing is a team sport. And she said every nurse has the thing that they don't do that they have an aversion to. Um, some nurses it's vomit, some nurses it's phlegm, some of us it's poop, um, others it's eyeballs. So the idea is that if someone's aversion is phlegm, I'll handle their phlegmy patients, they help me with my poopy patients, and everybody wins. When I was Interviewing for a job, I was sitting in front of a panel of directors of departments, and they asked me the typical interview question: "Tell me, tell us about one of your weaknesses."
0: Oh, and of course, your answer to that is supposed to be, "Oh, I'm,
1: I, I work I, too I,
0: hard. I care too much."
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I knew that that was the game that you're supposed to play, but something happened in me, and I blurted out that it, my weakness was poop.
0: <laughs> Did you literally say poop?
1: I literally said, poop. <laughs> Not, my weakness is poop, I just said poop. And there it was, right there, plopped out in front of everyone. So the director of the medical ICU's name was Tom, is Tom, and he said, uh, you know, this is an interview for critical care, and we have poop from head to toe, rolling down the bed and onto the floor. It's everywhere, you know that, right? And I said, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. So somehow I got the gig, and um, as I was precepting in one of the ICUs, surgical trauma ICU, my preceptor's name was Shauna, and I had already given her the disclaimer, Shauna, I don't do poop, uh, I'll need help with that, I, I'm working through it, but uh, you know, just so you know, I did vomit. She said, girl, you're going to clean up so much poop that by the time it's over, you're going to be wiping butts with one hand and eating your sandwich for lunch in the other. <laughs>
0: And uh, please tell me you've not done that. Please, please tell me <laughs> that when I go to the hospital and if I ever have an incontinence issue, I am not going to have a nurse who is wiping with one hand and eating her pastrami sandwich with the other. That would disturb me deeply.
1: She won't do that, but she sure will take those gloves off, wash her hands and walk right back to that sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, and Shauna was right. I did eventually reach that point. I was surprised. I really thought, listen, I'm the exception to this. I will never get over this aversion, but I absolutely have. She was right. So I wonder if you can tell me all of the names of poop that you can think of. The slang, the official, the medical, what do you got? All right, okay. Well, the first one that comes to mind is, of course, shit.
0: Uh, it's a good word, I use it often. Let's see, there's uh, a number two, like this episode. There's uh, poop, there's poo. Uh, in deference to my Puerto Rican roots, there's caca. Mm-hmm. I good was, one. Always hated caca. Uh, I, 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 I can't stand the term caca. Um, <laughs> there's uh, there's a deuce like dropping yeah. a, deuce. Um, drop a deuce. I say that a lot. There's scat. There's dung. There mm-hmm. are uh, cow patties. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see what else would there be. How about so- oh night soil? That's a really good one. That's a Victorian term. A guano, uh, feces. That's you know feces. That's, is medical, uh, more pretty, medical. Uh, yeah. yeah, um manure is a good one. A meadow it's muffin. A, it's
1: a cow patty, right? Yeah, that's a I cow patty. It's a cow patty. City girl. No yeah. idea. Yeah, crap. Oh, I think we forgot about crap. That's a good one. Uh, oh crap! We forgot crap. Yeah. Fertilizer. Poop is fertilizer. fertilizer. It is. Yeah. Not human poop, hopefully, but yes. I, I fertilize
0: a, my bathroom regularly, several times a day. <laughs> yeah.
1: that, is a, that is a good comprehensive list. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. We're going to talk about everything about poop. And I thought um, our discussion of poop could be broken down using the elements of design from the art world. How do you feel about that? I sure. thought I would put that uh, art history degree to work. So the elements of design include line, color, shape, Texture, size, and direction. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's just start with line. Line. The definition is the linear marks that are made. Uh
0: oh. What? You mean like on the bowl? Like 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 like? Oh, skid marks.
1: Skid mark. That's it. <laughs> That's it. The uh, the next one is color. Color is a pretty in-depth yep. discussion, and it actually can be a very diagnostic tool when you're looking at the color of. Stool. Mm. So the the first thing to know is that normal color is brown, and that is because of the bile that comes from the liver and the gallbladder, and it can be pretty much any hue of brown, from light brown to dark brown. All of that is considered normal. Okay. If your stool is black and kind of tarry, or it looks like coffee grounds, that's a big uh, warning sign that you may have old blood in your stool. Okay. Um, so that's something that you might want to follow up and check with your physician, especially if you've had multiple episodes of it or right. some symptoms. But think back and wonder, did you um, take some peptobismol? Because peptobismol will actually turn your stool dark, co- really dark colored, and so will iron pills. Or beets. Oh.
0: Beets. Every time I eat beets, I feel like I'm hemorrhaging afterwards, and I have to remind yes. myself that I just ate red beets, and that's what's going yes. wrong with me.
1: Right. So that brings us to the red maroon colors. Oh. So... Bright red br- bright red that looks like blood may be blood. It may also in fact be red dye. So did you eat some beets or did you drink a, a red Powerade or eat some red jello? Uh, if it is in fact blood, it could be hemorrhoids which is at the very end of the um, GI tract. It could be an inflammatory bowel process like uh, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. In that case you definitely want to see your physician. Mm-hmm. What about poop that is blue or green or purple? This is something that moms often find in kids' diapers, and the reason is because of the dye that they put in the fun kid uh, food. So gummies or snacks, icing is a real big offender. Those food dyes are pretty strong and they make it all the way through the system. Interesting. Uh, If your kid has some bright technicolor poop, think about what they they ate in the last 24 hours as well. Mm Now the green that you're talking about is a dark green, and this is generally diarrhea. Mm. This is food that has passed rapidly through the GI tract, so rapidly that it didn't have time to um, absorb that bile and that would turn it that brown color. You will probably feel that sense of urgency to go. Normally when you feel the urge to, to have a bowel movement, you got a few minutes, you know, you can get some reading materials and uh, change into something comfy and then go and do your business. That's not what's happening here. This is a sense of urgency that you gotta go. Okay. If you note white stool, or Ooh. maybe it's kind of a gray color, or they say clay colored, this is likely a problem with your gallbladder. It's making an inadequate amount of bile. That's definitely something to, to follow up on. Yellow stool can be an indication of malabsorption, especially fat. So um, the stool, if you, if you felt it, it would be greasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it might appear mucousy, and and nurses will recognize this when they're cleaning out a bedpan, and it's kind of greasy in there. They're thinking, oh, my patient's got an absorption issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting, fun fact, side note: yellow stool is a normal finding in breastfed babies. So, so if, it, like, the, if a breastfed baby doesn't have yellow stool, is that
0: cause for concern?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say just the color being different, because what mom eats can can also impact the baby. It's going to pass through the breast milk and can impact what the, the stool looks like as well. Okay. But normally, and probably the majority of the time, it's gonna be yellow and fairly loose. Okay. So the bottom line is diet can influence the color of your stool. So when you see something weird in the toilet bowl, ask yourself first, what did I eat? And then if that's not the answer, then you might, um, you might need to follow up uh, if you have other symptoms as well. So if, do I have any symptoms at all? Am I feeling weak, am I feeling dizzy, am I feeling belly pain? And then you've probably noticed before, as most of us have, that some foods don't get digested at all. There they are staring right back at you from yesterday's dinner. I was under the, the impression that
0: when you see what looks like corn in your poop, it's probably not corn, that it's some sort of fat globule or something like that. No, it's corn. Is it really? But I've seen, corn. I mean, I might have seen corn in my stool without having eaten corn,
1: recently so and it's not corn but it's definitely
0: not corn <laughs> Um we don't really eat a lot of corn but it keeps we'll have seems to look, to we'll have to look into that uh okay i'll send you a sample i'll just i'll just air oh, mail it right. to you down in georgia and you can tell me what that's all about right i can't wait
1: <laughs> so um let's talk size size oh, matters poop. and poop ah Size is going to be relative to the amount to the amount of food that you are eating. So, a normal healthy adult uh, has a bowel movement anywhere from daily to every three days. Uh, some people go twice a day. Some people go every other day. All of those are considered normal. There's a great children's book that says it simply: everybody eats, so everybody poops. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because larger poops are actually linked to a lower risk of colon cancer, a lower risk of constipation, a lower risk of appendicitis and diverticulitis. Interesting. The average size of an adult poop is going to be about two pieces and they're going to be one inch by six inch or described as the size of a banana.
0: And we are going to lose I'm, any listeners that we may have gotten by the time we get to this. We're on episode two, and already people are going to run for the hills.
1: I don't blame them. Yeah, it's um, an adult male will produce, produce about five tons of poop in his lifetime. That's wow. really something to be proud of, I That's feel like. crazy. What about direction? So we talked about the element of design and direction. All lines have directions. When we're referring to poop, the direction should always be out. Uh, But there are a couple of instances where it's not coming out or it's coming out the wrong place So when a patient has an intestinal obstruction, that's a little bit on the higher end of the GI tract They are blocked. They can't get the stool can't get through it will back up to the point where they are vomiting fecal matter Whoa, that's disgusting. That's a special special day in the ER (laughs) The other direction uh, when it doesn't come out is when constipation is at its worst. And the worst constipation is called an impaction. And that's a blockage that is caused by um, a piece of stool, a large, large piece of stool. So here's a little tip. If your preceptor ever tells you double glove and lube up, something's about to go down.
0: Meaning something's about to go up into somebody's
1: rectum in order to pull something down? You got it. Wow. So nurses do disimpactions. It is a very painful procedure for your patient. They are perfectly miserable. It's a very big cleanup job, so heads up on that. Once the impaction is removed, the stool behind it is often very loose and liquidy, Mm. and it has a special, special smell because it's been fermenting and um, marinating in there for a while. (laughs) Don't (laughs) use cooking terms, please. (laughs) Oh, you're gonna love the rest of this episode. When you, when you have successfully disimpacted your patient, it is likely that they are going to sleep like a baby and think that you are the best and really you are the best Mm. because who does that for somebody else? Nurses. Uh, Nurses. That's (laughs) exactly right. Nurses. All right. So my favorite part is, uh, we're going to talk about shape and texture now.
0: Okay. You mean other than the banana shape that we've already discussed? Right. Exactly. We're going to
1: elaborate on that. Oh, joy. There is actually (laughs) something called the Bristol stool chart. Uh, It's also called the Bristol stool form scale, or for the cool kids, the BSF scale. Okay. I've never seen this scale in the ER, and I'm not sure why it really belongs in the ER, if nowhere else in the staff restroom. But I saw it in a GI doctor's office, and I think that makes sense. It's pretty obvious why it goes there. So it's a visual chart. You're gonna wanna look this up. We We have it in our show notes but it's got some descriptions that I think are podcast worthy for sure. Mm. This chart breaks down types of stool into seven shapes and consistencies.
0: (laughs) Um, Can you see my face? I'm I'm looking at the Bristol
1: stool chart right now. And it's, it's something to behold. It really, really is what I, you know, (laughs) it's evocative. You would think that a physician named Dr. Bristol invented it because everyone likes to lend their name to the things that they invent. But actually, it was developed by Dr. Stephen Lewis and Dr. Ken Heaton. They worked at the Bristol Royal Infirmary. And so they named it. I guess they didn't want their name attached to pictures of poop. Mm. So they named it after the uh, hospital where they were working.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, the, uh, it is a pictograph of poop. Let's just go through it. First, you should know that it is a evidence-based, validated scale. 1,800 men and women's stools were evaluate, evaluated to create this chart. I don't know how you volunteer for this or how much you get paid to do this. But what I want to know is who are these little research assistants or fellows or med students that are having to sift through this and categorize it and then describe it. So these descriptions are the things that I love the most. So, <laughs> okay, go for it. So let's do this. Type one is described as separate hard lumps, and that is indicative that you have severe constipation. Uh,
0: you forgot the like nuts part that I'm seeing on the chart. No, that I'm you're, at.
1: you're on the wrong chart. You're, really? You found, a, you found is, some kind of special episode. Of a of it says
0: separate hard lumps, comma like nuts, hard to pass. Type
1: one Bristol mm-hmm. Stool Chart. Somebody expanded on the original then. There is a pediatric scale. This has been evidence-based for peds, and it's called the choose-your-poo chart, making it kid-friendly. And type 1 is described for kids as rabbit droppings. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, there you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Type 2 is lumpy and sausage-like, and it uh, it indicates mild constipation. Mm -hmm. And on the kid scale, it's described as a bunch of grapes always the food reference. Okay, that's great. All right. So, type 3 is a sausage shape with cracks on the surface. That's what my and, Bristol still chart says. And this is considered normal, thank goodness. The kid version calls this the corn on the cob. Okay. <laughs> Type four is like a smooth, soft sausage or snake. Mm -hmm. And this is also considered normal. So I feel like these fellows were sitting around and they were like, I mean, really guys, how many times can we use sausage as a descriptor? Maybe we should mix it up and throw in snake. I don't know. Mm. On the peed scale, it's sausage. Mm. Type five, soft blobs with clear cut edges. This means you are lacking fiber.
0: Okay. Yep. I see that. Passed easily is what my stool chart says. Yes. Yes.
1: The soft blobs kid version, chicken nuggets of course.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tuba, is there a one-to-one correlation to eating this food and what your poop comes out like? That's another
1: research project in and of itself, I think. <laughs> Type 6 mushy consistency with ragged edges.
0: Mine says so if fluffy pieces with ragged edges, a mushy yeah. stool. Mushy. Mm-hmm. If you
1: have raggedy edge stool, you are having mild diarrhea. And if you're a kid, it's porridge. Oh, the Brits with their porridge. Porridge. What American kid would know what that is? I want to know what the American version is.
0: Um, oatmeal? No, oatmeal wouldn't be right. Grits? <laughs> for, for our southern kids?
1: For the Pudding, maybe? I don't know. Pudding? <laughs> Type seven is a liquid consistency with no solid pieces. You have severe diarrhea. And uh, the kid version says that it's gravy. Oh.
0: God, I thought I'd be hungry for dinner, but now I'm not.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that is shape and texture.
0: Interesting.
1: There's a chart for that. Now, I have a bonus element that is not listed in the uh, elements of design, and that is smell. Ah. Yeah. So when we're talking about smell, poop is supposed to stink. Poopy, uh, Smelling bad is normal. It is because there are bacteria in your gut that are breaking down the food that you put in there. It's pulling out the toxins, but the bacteria themselves cause the odor as well as the toxins, and so poop normally smells bad. Mm. However, if your poop is foul-smelling, then this again could be a malabsorption issue. So foul-smelling means that it smells like regular poop mixed with dead fish or rotten meat. Okay. That's the description of foul-smelling. There are some special, special smells in poop that nurses are acutely aware of. The first one is a condition called Clostridium difficile. It's a spore that overtakes your GI system and causes horrible diarrhea. The diarrhea is clear or yellow, and it's in copious amounts. And this can actually um, put someone into hypovolemic shock, and, and someone who's fragile, it can kill them. Oh, wow. So, C. diff is what we call Clostridium difficile. It, uh, the smell has a certain wang to it. Let me tell you, um, nurses have described it as acrid, caustic, like a barnyard, Oof. or like rotting meat. Oof. And once you've spelled it once or twice, you can diagnose it with your own nose. So that's what nurses say. Nurses say, I can smell a C. diff patient uh, from down the hall. Wow. This was also put to research. (laughs) There is a research project called The Nose Knows Not, Poor Predictive Value of Stool Sample Sample Odor for Detection of Clostridium Difficile. So these folks actually researched this urban legend about whether or not nurses can diagnose C. diff correctly based on smell. Mm -hmm. And the results are in. And here are the results. (laughs) Uh, So nurses who were on the unit and could get a physical on their patient, and could get a history on their patient, and could see and smell the stool. Had an 84 to 89 percent accuracy. That's like a B B plus, right? That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I will say, in their defense, there are C diff patients that have no smell to the, the their stool has no smell to them. Most of them do. So these these guys and gals had an 84 to 89 percent success rate in diagnosing C. diff based on smell with the whole clinical picture. So the next prong of the research project was to collect stool specimens, put them in a test tube, get the nurses to smell them, and see if they could diagnose it that way. So they had 10 specimens that they had to smell, five of them were C. diff positive, five of them were C. diff negative. In this case, the nurses were also asked to give a confidence in their sniffing ability. They were 61% confident in their sniffing ability. And these nurses ranged uh, anywhere from a year experience all the way up to 30 years experience, and they had a 45% success rate. So it was 50-50, like it's got it or it doesn't, like you or me or anyone could have done that well. It was pretty much a miserable failure. And there was no correlation between nurses who had more experience, less experience, whatever. They they, they couldn't get it just based on smell alone. Okay. That's kind of an interesting one. The other thing that I found that is utterly fascinating is the Dutch trained a beagle to sniff out C. diff.
0: Oh, like in the hospital?
1: Yes. This is a C. diff sniffing beagle. This little puppy uh, got 265 out of 270 cases correct. Wow. That's crazy. so nurses were 84 to 89% correct. This puppy had a 98% success rate for C. diff sniffing. I don't think that has really caught on. I've never heard of that until now, but I found like it was a fascinating uh, little tidbit. All right. We cannot talk about the smells of poop without talking about a GI bleed. Okay. So w- we talked about the black starry, Stor- starry stool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> That's the appearance of GI bleed. It you smell it a mile away. Okay. This congratulations to GI bleed because it was a fan favorite, voted the number one worst hospital smell by nurses. Oh, and let me t- let me tell you something. This is a tough category to win, and GI bleed gets it. C diff gets an honorable mention. Personally, I feel like there is one smell that I have smelled that is worse than GI bleed, and that is gas gangrene. Oof! You can never unsmell that, but GI Bleed is much more common. This I is see. something that we smell a lot. Okay, uh, It is um, that foul smell but it is also a rotten smell and it has kind of a metallic tang to it. That's the uh, iron in the blood that you're smelling. It's, it's really bad.
0: So here I'm visualizing that you're minding your own business walking down the hallway at the hospital and you catch a whiff of something and you stick your nose up in the air. Um, and I don't know, like maybe, maybe your feet float off the ground and you sort of follow the wafting, uh, waves of smell into a room, like, you know, uh, uh like a cartoon character following the scent of fresh baked bread. And you can say there's somebody with C diff down this hall. That's right.
1: You can walk into a nurse's station and go, "Oh God, where is your GI bleed? Wow. Really? Our trick is that we put out bowls of coffee grounds because the coffee grounds will absorb some of that smell. Mm. It is a It permeates the entire department when there's a GI bleeder in there. Wow. So you will see little cups full of coffee grounds sitting around. That is for odor absorption.
0: All right. Interesting.
1: Here's your little bonus when it comes to scents, and that is that flatulence is normal too. And according to the American College of Gastroenterology, everyone averages about 10 to 18 farts a day. Okay, 10 to 18. I think all of mine happen
0: in the morning. Okay. Um, And that's probably more information than I need to share on this. I'm single, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a catch. What a catch. (laughs) So that's what I've got for you about poop. Is that more than you ever wanted to know? It is. It's definitely more than I ever wanted to know. Um,
0: Is this something that when you collect a stool sample from someone and... Uh, You take it out of the magic door that, you know, you deposited in when you're in the hospital bathroom and you pick up this cup of a stool sample. Um, Do you sort of pre-diagnose? You're like, "Mm, look at that. It's uh, it's the hard little rabbit pellets there. This guy is constipated and maybe suffering from X, Y, Z. Are you capable of predetermining what you think their condition may be based on their stool sample alone?
1: Yes. I think that most nurses, uh, with a good bit of experience can say, uh, this constipation is due to their opioid use or this, um, C diff is due to their immunocompromised status and their antibiotic, um, regimen that they are on right now. Uh, the GI bleed is from, you know, whatever ulcer in their belly. Uh, yeah. Nurses can, and physicians too, uh, You can figure out a lot from poop. You really, really can. So if you have concerns about any of your elements of elimination, you should probably create a poop log for your poop log. (laughs) I see
0: what you did there.
1: I've been waiting my whole life for that. I'll see if I
0: can find a snare drum sound effect (laughs) to add to this. There you go. That's good enough. We'll just do it verbally. It's like beatbox.
1: Yeah, so I want to hear about your poop-related um, experiences, your poop-related bad puns. So uh, share it with us on social media or send it to us via the theqwordpodcast.com.
0: If you send any pictures of your poop, uh, please send them as an attachment directly to Nisa. Um, Be sure you put a warning statement so that I don't open that up. I do have several friends who, for whatever, they're both medical school students, although one just graduated and is now a doctor. And I know that they send pictures of each other's poop to each other. I think it's a very strange uh, friendship that they have there. But now that I've done this episode... I'm going to assume that they were um, preparing for their medical school training um, by looking at each other's fecal matter
1: uh, in advance. Yeah, they're basically studying, really, to be honest.
0: That's totally what they've been doing. It's been studying all along. It's not weird. It's completely normal. Totally normal. Totally normal.
1: Totally not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now I know more about poop, um, and when I uh, go tomorrow morning... I will know a little bit more about what's happening in the bowl. (laughs) That's really good to know. Thank you so much for educating me in this way that I really didn't want to know about.
1: You are welcome.
0: (laughs) Well, guys, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please uh, rate us on social media um, or go to Stitcher or Podbean or wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a glowing five star review. Um, Please don't tell us about your poop in the review. Nobody cares about that stuff. Uh, Your doctor will, but we don't. Uh, But we would love to get those five-star reviews so that we can be um, uh, uh, more uh, popular amongst all these podcasts that are out there who are not talking about poop.
1: If you thought this was a pretty crappy episode, give us another try on episode three, please.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We haven't done a number one. (laughs) We'll talk about number one, uh, maybe down the line somewhere. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Nisa.